Welcome to the Church and Culture Podcast, a weekly discussion with Dr. James Emery White on the latest trends happening in culture and where and how the church should respond. Jim is the founding and senior pastor of Mecklenburg Community Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, president of Serious Times, a ministry devoted to exploring the intersection of faith and culture, former professor of theology and culture at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, where he also served as their fourth president, and the author of more than 20 books. I am your host, Alexis Dry, and I can't wait to dive into this week's conversation. Well, the idea for today's conversation came from a recent opinion article titled, When Did Christians Get So Mean? Now, the author essentially points out that, you know, in an age of online trolling and nasty comments and slanderous emails, there is a very vocal minority of Christians who, I'm going to quote the author here, insist on remaining unpleasant, both in tone and word. Now, Jim, as a prominent church pastor who receives a lot of emails, you wouldn't know anything about that, would you? <laughs> never, never have experienced this in my life. No? Okay, well, in all seriousness, I want to talk about this because, we, you know, you could just say, oh, you know, just ignore them. But the truth is, is that the world isn't ignoring them because I mentioned that they are very vocal. Plus, they're Christians, you know, supposedly, right? They're Christians and their hearts matter. And I think even more personally, while, you know, most of us don't live in that like mean camp persistently. We certainly can visit there from time to time. So let's start off by talking about, you know, in what spaces and on what topics do Christians get the most riled up and feel compelled to share, let's say, their unfiltered criticism? You know, before I speak to that, let me just uh, echo and affirm what you said in that the, the non-Christian world is, is observing this. They're paying attention. I once read a while back um, as an editorial in a Christianity Today magazine, a guy named David Aikman was writing about how uh, if anyone were to just take a troll through the internet and read the way Christians talk about each other and to each other and with each other, it would turn them off to the Christian faith so fast. Just just the basic mean-spiritedness that's there, the lack of grace and mercy and, and civility, basic civility. Um, well, in terms of like, what are we getting <laughs> angry about these days? It feels like everything, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It's like um, uh, during COVID, it was it was obvious. It was politics. It was shots. It was vaccines or non-vaccines, masking or no maskings. Are you closed or are you open? And that just, there was something about COVID that I feel like just kind of took the lid off of the last veneer of civility that there was. And we just felt almost entitled to, to be nasty to each other in any way that we wanted. But there's three areas. It, it's, it's interesting. Knowing that we were going to talk about this, I reflected on it a little bit. And I don't think I'd ever had reflected on it in terms of what is it that tends to surface this. And, and three things came to my mind. This certainly is not exhaustive, but three things came to mind. First of all, where we hold deeply felt opinions mm -hmm. is one area. Second, where we cling to a very strong ideology. And that's a little different than an opinion. An opinion is, you know, I like this team over that team. An ideology is more of part of like a worldview. Um, and, and our ideologies now have become very religiously tinged. And as we've talked about on this, on this podcast before, um, we have almost made ideology. Uh, it is now supplanted theology in terms of what matters most to us. And then the third area is, is personal experience, um, where we have had past wounds, past hits and hurts, uh, and, and it, it, it's, you know, 
these are the three areas that I think can surface where we um, have the most emotions. Um, but what's different now, I think, than in and then I've observed over the years, is is how attack oriented things are, and a lot of this has been enabled by social media, but just how and and the anonymity that can come with that, and how we don't have to interact with each other, we can just be this way, um, and and how dismissive we are of people um, as uh, a result, and I and I think that that is that is that has changed. Well, I think what was really helpful about what you just mentioned is that it kind of reminds us that when somebody writes something or posts something that might be labeled as mean-spirited, the goal isn't some, usually, it's not usually, to just be mean or unkind, right? Like instead, as you mentioned, it's because we have a deeply held belief. Sometimes even, you know, we could say a deeply biblical belief that we think is being compromised or attacked. But that's that understood. How do we know when to speak up and if we do speak up, how should we choose our words? You know, again, knowing we were going to talk about this, I, my mind instantly went to the book of James. Mm. And, I, and I even brought with me, uh, wrote down one, one, two verses in particular that I'll read. This is from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase from James 3, verses 5 and 6. Let me just read this. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world. We can turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. And anyone who's read James knows that Peterson was not embellishing. <laughs> it's one of the most earthy uh, letters of the New Testament, and James was right on that. I, I You know, in terms of when to speak out, um, you know, scripture tells us to always defend the gospel, always speak up in defense of actually a fellow Christian, the church, Jesus, the message, truth. Um, Peter writes, be prepared to give to every man an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within you. I believe that was first Peter, right? Uh, yeah, first Peter 3.15, but the show notes will bear <laughs> me out. Uh, um, but uh, but that, 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 that's always to be the case. Um, but in terms of do we say this? There's a lot of stuff that runs through my mind. And I, and I, and I, I think that's one of the things that, that's not happening in our world today. There's not a lot of filters. There's not a lot of, okay, do I say this? I think you need to ask yourself several questions. One, is this, is this, is this primary uh, issue or is this a tertiary, secondary issue? In other words, do I really need to jump in with guns blazing on this as if it is a primary issue, as if it's a real big deal or is it one that I can just let go? And do I know, do I know the difference? Right. Um, another one is, and, and, and I think this is critical is, is how would, and I alluded to this, how would, how would a non-Christian view this? Um, and if, if they were to, and, and this is something that I've, I've actually taught on several times and have said privately and, and counseled people and talked to staff about if, if a non-Christian were to read that blog read that posting, see that Twitter, you know, feed, um, and look at the, what you did on Instagram, overheard that conversation, would they be turned on to Christ or off? Hmm. Would, it, would it make them drawn to Christian community or would it make them repulsed by it? And what, 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 is, what is so sad to me is how 
Christians can often behave worse than non-Christians. I, I, they'll say things to each other that even non-Christians wouldn't say to each other uh, or that wouldn't be tolerated in a secular marketplace setting at all. And we have added in the context of Christian community. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it, it is it is disturbing. So, you know, how would a non-Christian feel about it if it was just overheard? But um, here, are the, here are the big four questions. And uh, uh, is, let, me, let me just walk you through them. And, and I've, 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 I've taught about this actually on multiple occasions. Here are the four filters for your mouth. First, is what I'm going to say true? If you know it's not, or you're not sure, or if it's just rumor, or if it's second or third hand, don't say it. Because it really can't pass the truth test. So that's first. Second filter. Is what I'm going to say helpful? Because even if it gets past the first filter, meaning it really is true, doesn't mean it's helpful. That what you're going to say is helpful. In other words, is what I'm going to say, and this is kind of alluding to, is it is it is it encouraging? Is this is this going to build people up? Um, our words should heal. They should bring life. Um, they should benefit those who listen. Uh, I know a lot of things about people that are true. That if I were to say them or repeat them or pass them on, would be sin even though it's true, because there'd be no point in it except to tear them down, to assassinate their character, or needlessly point out sin or weakness in their life, which I might add, we all have plenty ourselves to go around. Truth itself is not enough. It has to pass the why test. Why would I say this? What is? What kind of agenda is there really behind this for me? Am I trying to hurt or am I trying to help? Am I trying to build up or am I simply trying to arouse suspicion or tear down? Here's a third filter, is what I'm going to say, and this is, and, and I'll have to unpack this a little bit, is what I'm about to say being said to the right person. Um, this one is interesting to me because uh, of, of how I think it often doesn't play out. Meaning the whole point of this is, are you talking to who you really should be talking to? Let's say I have an issue with somebody. Um, let's say my issue is with you, okay? Should I, okay, so how do I start that? Should I, do I start off talking with six other people about my issue with you or three other people about my issue with you, even one other? Well, the answer is no, no, and no. <laughs> I don't talk to anybody. Biblically, there's only one person that I should talk to about it, and that's the person I have the issue with. Um, and if somebody shoots back and says, well, I was just getting counsel beforehand. <laughs> I've heard that a thousand times. And, uh, and I want to say, oh, you know, okay, you've gone to council now with 10 different people. Stop it. Mm-hmm. This is, this is your, your spiritualizing, avoiding the biblical principle. Yeah. You need to talk to that person and you need to talk to that person alone. Now, let's say you've done that. You've gone to them to try to work things out. Should you then go to another person later with what you talked about with that person? Uh, you didn't talk to anyone on the front end, and but you plan on having a lot of fun on the back end with the blow by blow, and you feel like you can because you did the right thing and talked to that person you had an issue with. Now that you know, does that pass the sniff test? Yeah. It shouldn't. Now I know what people are probably thinking. They're thinking, well, golly, you're taking all the fun out of life. <laughs> and um, well, let me make it even less fun with one last filter: is what I'm going to say loving loving. And that may be the biggest filter of all, because if you're seeking to be loving toward that person, you wouldn't say something that wasn't true. 
If you're looking to be loving toward that person, you wouldn't say anything that wasn't helpful. If you're going to be loving, you wouldn't say anything about them behind their back. But it's still a good additional filter because it also speaks to how you say things. Uh, will Are you going to be gracious? Will, will what you say be humble? Will it give the other person the, the loving benefit of the doubt? Uh, will it be gentle? Um, or will it be accusational, judgmental, sanctimonious, and mean-spirited? Okay, well then, what do you do, you know, with with examples of Jesus, you know, in the Bible, when he's talking to Pharisees and he calls them snakes and hypocrites, evil broods of vipers. Like how is that different from commenting on someone's Instagram post, calling them a liar or a hypocrite or a manipulator? It's a good question. <laughs> well, I, I, I think the, the first thing that comes to my mind is that uh, that wasn't a Christian to a Christian thing that the biblical guidelines, I mean, in terms of Christian community and Christian civility, I mean, that wasn't a Christian speaking of another Christian and the, and the breaking of Christian community. Second, let's be clear. Uh, Jesus can say anything he wants to about anybody. He can make any judgment he wants. We can't. So we can't look to Jesus there for a license. Like, well, he called this person that or this group of people that. That doesn't mean we can. That's like, that's that, that would be akin to saying, well, God took this human life, so therefore I can murder. Mm. No, God gives all life. That's God. God can do what he wants to do, and it's totally in his right, and it's not wrong. God can make any judgment about someone and call anybody whatever, give anybody the assessment he wants to give. We can't. So I don't think that's a good thing to look to. Um, another thing, too, that's interesting is, is that um, I only know of one time Jesus said something like that about a person by name. Hmm. Uh, what I mean by that is, is that he would talk about hypocrites and he would talk about Pharisees and Sadducees and he would talk about teachers of the law, but he didn't call out names. And he was talking about more like a, a, a grouping, a type of person, a worldview, a philosophy, an attitude that was typified by a particular group of people. I only know of one time, <laughs> excuse me, where, where he actually said something pretty direct about an individual, which he had the right as Jesus to do, but that was Herod. And he basically called him a, I mean, the best translation is a son, a son of a female dog. You're like, it was rather I'm direct. like trying to think, when did that happen? Yeah. But he had a, he had a, he had a rough name for, for Herod. Mm. Um, but uh, Herod, if you know anything about Herod, mm -hmm. that was a very, he could have been more pointed than that. Sure. Um, but the Bible is is very careful in its teaching. It's, it's actual teaching. It moved, you know, we talk about narrative versus didactic. Take the narratives away where it just describes what somebody says or something, and the didactics where it's actually teaching. The didactic is very, very clear about being very careful and loving in our language. And again, I think the the, the, the best, most direct letter on that is, is the letter of James. I mean, it's the, it's the most masterful. That and Proverbs have the most to say about the use of the tongue and also about meanness versus niceness. Well, a good point that I thought that the article that I mentioned brought up is that oftentimes our deeply held beliefs are actually based on a very narrow view of the world or limited exposure to other ideas. That the truth, and so like the truth, of, I think of that really resonated with me because so long, and you talked about this, but so long as we surround ourselves with only people who share our opinions, like it becomes easier to interpret any dissenting opinion as a personal attack. 
where do you see Christians doing this the most? You know, it's interesting. Uh, Cass Sunstein once wrote a book called The Daily Me. And it was about how the internet and our new, the digital revolution has essentially allowed us to surround ourselves with only voices that say what we want to hear. And it becomes like an echo chamber. So I only visit websites that I like or that I agree with. I only get news feeds that uh, reaffirm my worldview or my ideologies or my particular opinions. Um, I only uh, follow certain people. In other words, we create this daily me in terms of what we expose ourselves to and what we take in. And um, and uh, in terms of where do I, I think Christians do this the most, um, you know, surround ourselves with with what we want to hear is is I would say obviously where we're most insecure, and uh, and and that's why and when we take it out on others and we and we have this 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 very narrow view of the world we that's what that leads to often bad behavior and being mean our insecurities lead to either passive aggressive comments or maybe not so passive. <laughs> comments that are aggressive. Like you just look at something and it's, it's easy. The, 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 the famed mommy shaming that can go on online, uh, where, you know, if one woman does it one way or another woman does it another way, or that, you know, and then there's this instant like pack of wolves on ravenous red meat and depending upon where they land. And it's often based off of insecurity. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's, there's so much that we're insecure about in terms of choices we've made or how we're doing things or our own lives, people who threaten us, and so what happens when you're threatened, you either have a sense of a humility or you try to tear down what threatens you. And that's why I say this is insecurity based, because insecurity often leads toward just trying to tear down, diminish whatever it is that threatens us or that we disagree with. And then that, in, in a perverse way, we think builds ourselves up. Something that I'm sure you feel the same way too, but something that really irks me is, you know, whenever you see a quote or an idea that someone lifts out of context and then just goes to town attacking it. Um, if you, it's like, if you just take the time to read the entire article or listen to the whole sermon or whatever it is in its entirety, you would have more of the context and would probably come to a different conclusion. But that's just the thing. Like that's, it's kind of like the same thing as suggesting that you listen before you respond. And quite frankly, we're just not that good at listening. Do you care to share some more thoughts about that? <laughs> I wasn't listening. What did you say? <laughs> You know, we, we are terrible listeners. We really are. Uh, I, I once heard someone quip that we don't listen. We just wait for our turn to speak. Right. And I thought that was telling. Um, and also, and, and to your point, social media specializes in outtakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the whole point. Here's here's an outtake. Here's a soundbite. Here's a here's a clip. And it it almost by definition can't provide context. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you mentioned a message. Someone can show a 30-second clip of someone saying something seemingly very controversial, but they just spent 29 and a half minutes leading up to it. And you can't really judge that 30-second clip without the other 29 and a half minutes. Right. You really can't. But people do. Uh, but people do. Um, and again, and, and and you know what it's akin to? When when we when we do these these short little bursts out of the context things, it's gossip. Hmm. It's akin to gossip. 
uh, because we're doing a partial truth or partial representation, or we're taking, we're saying, hey, did you see what so-and-so said, or did so-and-so do this? And, and even when you throw it out there on an Instagram or something, on Instagram, I mean, it, if out of context, it's it's just really glorified gossip because you're you're ca- you're saying something about someone that, quite frankly, isn't true, or you're trying to lead people to believe something that isn't true. I, I, I go back to James, and and I, I I've I've had seasons of my life where I've just you know forced myself to remember this dangerously close to daily: be slow to speak, be quick to listen, and slow to become angry. Um, the goal is to understand instead of instantly taking offense, to really actively work it. Okay, I'm going to listen. I'm going to shut up and I'm going to listen. Now, I'm not going to just wait for my turn to speak. I'm going to listen. And my goal of listening is to understand and to try to uh, really understand. Uh, even if I don't agree, I want to understand. And I also want to see this as a human being made in the image of God that is just adored by God. And so, you know, and, and so I, I need to have that kind of a spirit and then and then, you know, be slow to respond, slow to speak. I don't have to always have an answer for everything. Mm-hmm. I don't have to comment on everything. And and I, I, I the other day I was asking somebody about something and uh, and uh, their comment about this person was that they they sure do seem to like to comment on everything. <laughs> and I thought, oh, what a terrible thing <laughs> to have said, you know, it's like when you're to be slow to speak and. And uh, <clears throat> um, there was a, a book I remember reading, and we'll put it in the show notes, but it was called The Bait of Satan. And, um, and, and I remember that it was all about how what Satan baits us with is our, our, how quickly it is that we take offense mm-hmm. and how we are eager to take offense. And that in taking offense, we're taking the bait of Satan. Interesting. And I always thought that was a that was an interesting way of of, of looking at it. Mm. Well, I felt like when I was reading the article again, like the most scandalous part of it was this idea that Christians often use unkind words because it's so costly to extend grace. I thought that was gold. Like to give someone the benefit of the doubt, to hold your tongue, to try, as you mentioned, to understand them, or heck, just to like treat somebody, as you said, like as made in the image of God is also to extend grace to that person. But to the the author's point, if you don't receive grace enough, it is hard to extend it to others. So how do you see kind of grace fall into this conversation? Isn't that interesting what you just said? I mean, that's such a deeply pastoral uh, insight, I think that is not often understood, that if you yourself do not receive grace, it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible, for you to extend it. Mm-hmm. And how one of the great uh, uh, you know, affronts is if you do receive grace and don't extend it. And that's roundly condemned in Scripture because it's so unthinkable right. that you would do that. But you mentioned the word scandalous. Uh, as you know, we, we recently completed a series called Christianity's Most Scandalous Idea. Mm-hmm. And... You know, people had no idea what that idea was going to be. We just said, okay, here's our series, Christianity's Most Scandalous Idea. And, of course, it was a series on grace. Uh, that which is freely given and, and, and undeserved. Uh, or often, as it's put, it's getting what you don't deserve and not getting what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, it's interesting. When you have grace without truth, you simply have licentiousness. But we often forget that truth without grace is just judgment. And that's what is often going on, just broad judgment in the worst 
sense of the word, condemning. It's a, it's condemnatory. In fact, truth without grace can be nothing but condemnatory. Um, and of course, Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world. And also, as John 1 says, he came bearing truth and grace. Mm -hmm. Very important that those two always be held together. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, the importance of grace. I, I've, I'm just coming off of um, uh, a, a trip where I, I took my wife for um, her 60th birthday to, um, to Hawaii. We'd never been, you know, and this was a big deal for us. And, you know, we went off and, and, and had that time together. And, um, and, and I, I, it was one of the, you know, Hawaii is one of the friendliest places I've ever been. The people were just so friendly and warm ever consistently and, 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 and grace giving. And they talk a lot about the aloha lifestyle and aloha carries with it the ideas of extending mercy, grace, and kindness to another. So when you say aloha to someone, you're automatically talking about, I, I'm, 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 I'm meeting you, I'm engaging you on the basis of grace mm. and mercy. It's, it's a fascinating type of thing. But I, but I, I'm, I remember I was on, I was talking to one, we were on a tour and I was talking to the, the, the tour guide and, um, and I just was commenting about how everybody's just so friendly here. And he says, well, we have to be. <laughs> I said, what do you mean you have to be? He said, oh, it's a small island. You know, I mean, I mean, there, I mean, you know, we, we have to get along. We, we have to work it out. Hmm. We have to exercise grace in essence. Hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, if only the Christian community could feel small. If only we realized that we're small and we are small and that we, 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 and for the sake of the world and the sake of the kingdom and for the glory of God, we, we should feel like we have to work things out because it's a small contained community and we're going to be living forever with each other in eternity. These are brothers and sisters. And I wish we had more of that Aloha Hawaii got to work it out mentality. Mm, I love that. Oh yeah. Okay. I've got one last question. Let's okay. say you do hypothetically, you know, receive one of those mean spirited emails. How do you respond or how would you respond? Well, I haven't always responded well. I mean, I think it's a learned art. Mm. I, I think I had a harder time in the earlier years of ministry and leadership than I do now. Um, but it, it always hurts. I mean, I don't, I don't care, but, but I've, I've learned some things and I'll risk, I'll risk being very transparent about what I do. Um, and, and hopefully this would serve people. Um, one of the things that I do is, um, I, I don't, I don't, don't read it all. Hmm. I have it filtered. Um, I have, um, you know, uh, a, a wonderful administrative executive assistant who everything goes through her and she just flat out won't let me see things. Hmm. She just, you know, if she feels like it's just completely ridiculous and mean spirited or crazy or, you know, she just doesn't let it fill my head and I appreciate it greatly. Mm. You know, I'm just, she just is a gatekeeper. Um, and she's a very mature person spiritually and wise. And so, I mean, she doesn't, she doesn't keep away hard things from me. She doesn't keep away truthful things, even though it may be disturbing to me. She keeps away me, mm. just, just hateful stuff. So I don't see it. And if somebody gets mean and hateful online, uh, I instantly unfollow them. I instantly block them. And I, I wish more Christians would. Don't take the bait. 
Just don't take the bait. If someone uses, if, if, if one, if I get anything that involves profanity or just a, a mean spirited kind of whatever, I just, I'm done. I'm just not going to live in that world. I'm not going to take that bait. What's the old line that, uh, you know, if the only thing you get out of wrestling with a pig is that you both get mud on you. Oh yeah. You know, so don't, I don't do it. I don't do it. Um, so I, I, I either unfollow block, I ignore, I'm protected. So I think that that's, that's a, that's a good, anybody can do that. You don't need someone who just reads stuff for you, but you can online protect yourself. And another thing, but then, but let's just say I I just get something and, and I, I, that it gets through it. You, I try to engage to understand. I really just try to understand if someone's just upset with me, they may not be being mean. They're just upset and they're frustrated and they're emotionally exercised, which is, which is okay. I mean, you know, and, and maybe they were a little sloppy in their language and there are certain things I wish they'd said a little kinder with a little bit more grace. But, um, you know, I, I, and so there are times where I just say, you know what, I hear you, but, um, can we throttle this down? Mm. I understand you're upset and you may even have some good reason, but can we, can we throttle this down and not make it personal and, and not use inflammatory language and talk to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm. But I, I want to engage to understand. Um, I, and I work to understand. Another thing that I've, I've learned to do is I don't have to have the last word. Mm. Even if I'm going back and forth with someone and I feel like it's worthwhile to do that a little bit or, you know, whatever. Um, a lot of times it's not. You just realize that no matter what you say, they're going to say something. It's just never going to be ending. So you just have to just kind of let it go and give it radio silence. But, um, you know, I just don't have to have the last word. Mm. You know, great to just let them have it. It's, it's fine. You know, just... Uh, that that yeah, I don't have to be petty. Um, another thing that I've learned is 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 you know try to be warm and loving and 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 deflate it. So someone might say something to me that's quite um, uh, confrontational, and you know I might end it with whatever my response is, and that just says you know blessings, hmm. blessings friend, you know just just kind of just just kind of go on a different level to them um, and just deflate it. Another thing that I've learned to do, and you hear this talked about all the time, and it's very difficult to do. It really is. It's easily said. It's hard to do. But look for the kernel of truth. Hmm. Now, someone who says there's a kernel of truth in every criticism, now that's not true. I don't believe that. I don't believe there's a kernel of truth in every criticism. Um, because I mean, there's some criticism that can be so atrocious and so ungrounded and so unfounded that it's like, you know, I, you know, this is, this is your sin against me for you even saying something like that. Um, but you look for the kernel of truth if it's there and, and, and have that, that humility. And then when you get that kernel of truth, own it Hmm. and, and say, you know what, Uh, let me just go ahead and tell you. Uh, I, I, I apologize to you for this. You are absolutely right in this. Mm. And, and, you know, we might need to agree to disagree agreeably (laughs) some of these other points, but you know, you're right on this. Um, that wasn't handled well, or I said that poorly. And, and, and that, and that's, and that's another thing too, is that, is that someone can write you an email that may not have been kind. It may have been harsh. It may have been a lot of anger and emotion, but you you kind of can read through that and realize that they're, they're, they're just upset. They're they're just they're just 
you know, they're not trying to be, as you said earlier, vicious. And, and, and the easiest way to do that is to say, you know what, I can so understand your emotions and I'm so sorry for, you know, how that was said. And I hope that you'll forgive me. Hmm. You don't have to go answer them point by point. You can just simply own it, move on, say, I'm just so sorry. And please forgive me. And you're right. I, I can, I can understand, you know, that was a poorly worded, you know, illustration, or that was a, I, I could have said that better. And, and, and don't argue with it. Don't, don't, because, because the truth is, if you say, you know, if you could have said it better, just, Hey, I could have said it better. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's, <laughs> that's the, the problem of being a teacher. And you're a teacher, gifted communicator, teacher, in that the more you speak, the more words that go out there, the more opportunity there is for people to take offense yeah. or to be, to, to react. Um, uh, isn't, uh, there's that proverb, and again, we'll have to trust our trusty show notes people, but in many words, there is sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's almost a sense where the more you speak, the more, the more you can mistake. So I just think that the most important thing you can do is just to, you know, humbly apologize when need be. But those are just a handful of kind of reactions to to um, communications that come with a lot of voltage. Mm. But there's no excuse, though. And, and I, I'll, I'll just end with this. Um, the, the meanness that is that has gotten just ridiculously out of hand and where Christians feel entitled to be mean. Mm-hmm entitled to say things because they they feel like truth is on their side and um and they abandon grace they abandon civility they abandon love and they just use truth like a bludgeon and that it somehow excuses bad behavior and it's like hey i am so upset because of what you did or said or believe and because you made me upset i'm justified in erupting right and that's simply not true Mm. Well, so if anybody is listening to today's episode and doesn't like it, maybe think about that before you email us and tell us that. <laughs> or be very kind when you do send it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, no, I so appreciate what you said, Jim. Like As you were answering that last question, the first thing you said about how you know maybe you always haven't always handled it the right way, that it is a learned art. And because so much of what you're describing, I'm like, that sounds so good and so hard. And I do think like... I'm going to file that away in terms of this is something that you just keep working at and just keep improving. Like it's what you talked about. It just sounds like that just takes a lot of the Holy Spirit. It takes a lot of spiritual maturity to to respond or not to respond. And so, you know, maybe we haven't always handled it the best way in the past, but we just, it's worth working on and it's worth inviting God into that so that we can be, get better at that. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you. I hope your email is full of only great things following this. Um, But yeah, again, thank you guys for listening. I hope this was helpful. And hopefully we'll have another great conversation for you to listen to next week.